Across the palisade at the Holiday Inn The Mujahideen barricades And just walk right through Past the bullhorns and sleepy 47s Right by the coalition guards I'm in the back of the second floor basement I'll have my editors arrange for payment Come to me now You are warming weather Come to me now The kind that comes with sandbags along the river Transformation My aching joints You are a vision in the air Cheap lipstick, bleached hair Oh, dressed like that You are a flag of a dangerous nation Oh, dressed just like that You are some kind of Welcome to Media Roots Radio, this is Abby Martin. Recently, my friend Eric and I had an amazing opportunity to interview one of our favorite musicians, John Vanderslice, at his tiny telephone studio. John Vanderslice is an American-born songwriter and producer living in San Francisco, California. His politically aware, reverent songwriting has set him apart from other independent musicians in similar genres. John runs the all-analog recording studio, Tiny Telephone, where Spoon and Death Cab for Cutie have recorded. He's also gained notoriety for various projects ranging from a Microsoft hoax to performing with Magic Magic Orchestra. Here's the interview with John Vanderslice. So I guess let's just start by talking about how you how you ended up in San Francisco. You yeah. were born in Gainesville. Yeah. What brought you out to the Bay? Well, my, my girlfriend at the time um, lived in L.A., and so I went to visit her. Right when I graduated from from college, I, I went to University of Maryland and got a degree in economics of all mm-hmm. things. <laughs> and actually, the reason why I got a degree in economics is that my dad pressured me really uh, intensely and go like guilted me to have like a business degree. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that econ was like the most political and the most because you know I went to University of Maryland, so there was a lot of government economists coming out they have like a separate economy like Mm -hmm. econ school and i quickly quickly realized that economics was used by people to enforce very self-serving uh you know like legislation you Mm -hmm. know like you could because you can philosophically bend numbers in whatever Mm -hmm. way you want to bend them Mm -hmm. so in retrospect it was like a very influential Mm -hmm. degree and then of course later when i started a studio to have a background in like real 
stuff like supply demand curve mm-hmm. it's it's easy to think about but it's one thing to stand face to face with it like where your survival is like really <laughs> like what side of the curve are you on you know what i mean like so it's really very valuable i didn't realize it at the time but so a couple days after i graduated i came out to la i lived there for 9 months and one weekend i came up and visited a friend here who I also went to Maryland with, mm-hmm. and I could not believe the city. I mean, it was insane. L.A. was like end of the world. It was like apocalypse yeah. now. I mean, it was fucking crazy, you know what I mean? And like, so there was that that excitement in a way. Like, it was like crack wars and helicopters, and I thought, oh, yeah, we're all going to go down. Mm-hmm. This is great, you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, I was ready for that. I was a suburban kid. I'd never mm-hmm. seen crazy shit like that. I remember being in a in a thrift store, in a, in a, um, a convenience store in South Central L.A., I lived in a terrible neighborhood, and there was a guy, he had a windbreaker on, and he was in front of me in line, and he had a, a handgun in his windbreaker pocket, but it was just whipping around, and he was, like, <laughs> saying all crazy shit, and I was like, this is nuts. I never had seen this in my life, you know what I mean? I was like, fuck. It was, to me, it was magical, because you're invincible. You're 21 years mm-hmm. old. You're totally, you're just like, bring it on, you know? But then... So I visited San Francisco, and I just went crazy for it. Mm-hmm. So I moved up here, and I never would have stayed. My family's all on the East Coast. My family's all in North Carolina now. Mm-hmm. I never would have stayed except when I came to San Francisco. I lived here a couple of years. I got a job as a waiter. I worked on Fisherman's Wharf. I served, like, frozen crabs mm-hmm. to Japanese mm-hmm. tourists. <laughs> um, and I answered an ad in the Chronicle for a space for rent. And it was this space. Wow. And it was very diff- – it's as difficult now as it, as it, it, as it was then as, it, then as it is now to find commercial space where the landlord's cool, where you don't get kicked out, and where it's and under market and you know, yeah, where you can make noise. And mm-hmm. so I rented this space. It was me and a couple other people. We started like a rehearsal room co-op. So yeah. it was like we just drafted whoever we could find. Wow. So this started as like nine, ten people co-op. The rent was $600 a month. Which seemed insane. Yeah, yeah. Like it seemed like nuts. I remember the security deposit was nine hundred dollars. I was like, "There's no way. <laughs> we can't come up with one hundred dollars each. There's no way." You know? And so this was nineteen ninety six. You know, yeah. and it felt um, dangerous and it felt uh, like crazy. But then when you get a commercial space and you hold on to it, and you know, when the dot com boom came in two thousand, we were. We, by 1997, we were a barely functional recording studio. It was $100 a day, and there were it was a co it was it was a co-op. I mean, it was just a money drain for everyone involved. We built all the walls. Thank God, one of the person one of the people in the co-op was a contractor. Oh wow! Um, so he was like he re- was really helpful. He could get tools from his work. You know, he could like get a compressor or get like a shot back or whatever we needed or a table saw. And so we did a lot of construction that way. Awesome guy, Scott Britton. Um, and so the thing that happened then was, after a couple of years, the the bands, it, it was like a rehearsal place some days, and there was a calendar. Some days it would be rehearsing, and then other days it was a recording studio. Mm. And it was just so low cost at that time that we could kind of get away without having any gear. And then slowly that kind of coalition broke up. Bands broke up. People moved out of town. And a guy that I knew who was an engineer, his studio got bought out by the Giants because he was mm-hmm. in Soma where Pac Bell Park mm-hmm. is or at yeah. Park is. Mm-hmm. And so he had a studio there that was like the studio. It's called Lowdown. It was mm-hmm. like the punk rock indie studio. And so he got bought out. He probably got a grand. You know, He, yeah. probably, he got kicked <laughs> out of his building. Right. And so I 
basically went to his when I found this out I went to a studio and I pitched a whole thing I was like listen we'll we'll get in you know business together we'll be partners you'll bring all your equipment over and then we'll like I'll manage you I'll get you bands so this was in 1998 he still works here nice. <laughs> it's awesome nice. yeah. and it's such a rad thing that happened God, he what like an organic like cool yeah, evolution yeah and it, it had to happen that way and it happened really naturally like yeah. we never we didn't take out a bank loan until 2002 or 2003 because we couldn't get a bank loan and then we we finally took out a bank loan. We took out fifty grand and we bought the Neve console. So that was the first nice. thing that we did. And even then, my friends were like, "You're nuts!" <laughs> so like now they are now. Like you're crazy. <laughs> There's no reason to do that. You know. Um, when you, I mean, you know, your vision for the studio. Did you ever envision what you're going to do in the open? This. I mean, did you have this vision for a while? Or De- is I mean, kind of just. Well, as you know, as a kid listening to like Who records and mm-hmm. you know Led Zeppelin records and Kinks records, I thought, you know, and, and I remember looking at photographs of recording studios and like a Queen album or something, mm-hmm. and thinking like that's it, like mm-hmm. that was it for mm-hmm. me. But as far as like as a viable business plan, there's no. I remember we ran the math the first couple of years of the studio. We all all nine of us sat down and we had a calendar. We're like, okay, what's what would happen if we were booked out a year? in advance yeah. and then we all did the division and the math and the pg e bill and the rent and we were like it's this is fucked <laughs> yeah this is like it doesn't work let's do it yeah let's do it so it wasn't you know i was i was a waiter and for seven the first seven years of the studio i was a waiter i've never been an engineer i've never engineered a session down here mm. so uh, that's really saved me because then i was able to make my own records and tour and come and go mm-hmm. as i wanted to mm-hmm. otherwise it wouldn't have i don't think it would have worked and the, the studio needed to be funded for seven years. Right. Studios don't make money for seven or eight years, even yeah. if they're busy. It's impossible. Amazing. Damn. Um, you know, I'm, I have kind of taken a lot of financial risks with what I do because I'm, yeah. I refuse to sell out to, like, a corporate news industry. And I would just imagine that being an independent artist, you've never signed on to, like, a, a multinational corporate yeah. label. Yeah. And you've taken a lot of financial risks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, know, you, you made a quip about having a dollar in your bank account. But seriously, I mean, as an independent artist, it's just you are risking a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely it's nerve wracking. And there can there's I mean, the tough thing in the, in the studio game is that there's a lot of like super rich trust funders that just kind of like their mm-hmm. studios just yeah. <laughs> they just like yeah, they appear it's yeah. just like overnight it's like a Pixar thing like, <laughs> yeah. and so you can get a little loony when you when you kind of I don't know when you look at the landscape of like San Francisco students it can make you cra- I mean of course it can make you um, it can make you paranoid and crazy and also there the the media business is so in flux and it's so unstable mm-hmm. that we a couple years ago I wasn't sure when the recession first hit we took a hit in bookings usually we're booked out every month mm-hmm. it doesn't we're so underpriced mm-hmm. that it, we should we have to be booked out mm-hmm. but when the recession hit we had a couple months where we were definitely not booked out for the first time in years and I began to think is there a future for recording studios right. and then that's when I thought well there's a future for something that's like you know, unduplicatable, like something that is like mm-hmm. completely and totally unique. And that's when we had always had tape decks and we'd always been an analog, like, you know, flying an analog studio flag. But then that's when I, 
realize, okay, we provide free tape to every band. We make them record mm-hmm. on tape. <laughs> like, we show them, you know, we, like, usher them into the past or into yeah. the, like, the, you know, the way that it was done for a long time. And, like, these are great result, great albums that were made on tape decks. And because we can't, you can't compete with everyone. It's almost like if you were to open a store, if, like, we decided tomorrow we need to open a store, it's like... It can't be like a cupcake store. It's got to be something a hundred times more mm-hmm. extreme. It's got to be like a store that serves cardamom in everything. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like you know, like or it specializes in like the most. It's like such a micro market, mm-hmm. and I think that's the only way to do it now. You have to serve a niche, and you have to fly a flag, and you have to be one hundred percent dedicated and weird about mm-hmm. what you're doing. And that's why you chose to stay true to. Yeah. Staying independent and, and yeah. pursuing this vision. Yeah, absolutely. And the same with the, the music and the studio. In, in many ways, are one for me. They're just mm-hmm. one thing. So, like, I've always done records here, mm-hmm. and that's that shielded me from having to, um, you know, to make any weird deals. You know, like yeah. sync deals or, or licensing deals that that were not didn't feel right or talk to labels that didn't feel right mm-hmm. you know and that that has been mm-hmm. h- helpful too you know it's interesting that the digital age has pushed the need for this niche market but yeah. the, your niche is so analog that's what i was yeah, just gonna I say know, i know and i'm so digital in my in right. my every day is mm-hmm. i'm digital guy i'm totally right. the internet's the best thing ever happened yeah, to yeah. humankind mm-hmm. you know that doesn't yeah it's amazing that you're you're maintaining this organic kind of like such a profound organic sound but then you're also like a big proponent of digital music and free downloads yeah, and yeah. net neutrality and, yeah. and all that and that's just really awesome it's a, it's a cool juxtaposition um, you know your choice of staying out of the mainstream for so long do you think that that has given you the ability or the inspiration to constantly evolve it, sound, it seems like your whole discography is constantly changing Yeah. and is that just do you think that it's just the freedom that you have as an independent artist yeah it's interesting because I was talking to my friend about this this morning because mm-hmm. we were we're trying to sketch out what we're going to do for the next record. The next record will be with Magic Magic Orchestra, mm-hmm. and and I want it to be a much more conceptual, weird, and immersive experience. Like I, Emin and I are talking about incorporating a boys' choir into mm-hmm. the record, That's, and like you know, we it's want a great idea. it's an awesome idea, it's a right? Great idea, yeah. And so I want to do something that's like, you know, something that's even more committed to that world, to Mina's mm-hmm. world, to Magic's world, and. And I thank God that I don't have the pressure of being on, you know, either hooked up with managers or booking agents or labels or people that d- are not willing to go down these weird cul-de-sacs. Because you're just and constantly like, having to repackage your sound. And yeah. You're stuck in a box. And you have to have people that are that are willing to completely believe in what you're doing or it's 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 impossible. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So many people I know that are really amazing musicians and stuff have gotten on the labels and then it's just their sound just you know changes completely oh and yeah it's just like i know that that's not what they would want yeah, you know, yeah. it's almost like you have to you have to do that if you're going to go that route and you know media roots is obviously a political organization we're not really um music oriented and and that's why i i love your music because it really it really really resonated with me john um, and Eric actually introduced me to it. Hey, thank um, you. <laughs> he gave me an all analog mix zero zero one 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 zero. Yeah. Um, and it was it was mind blowing because I'd never I'd never heard such a poetic interpretation of of like a political and societal reflection. And I guess as an artist, um, 
have you always been politically aware? Did you have some sort of political awakening? What what made you kind of want to relay? Well, for that? me, I've always been really. I, I grew up in the suburbs of D.C. and I saw. Um, I, I just saw firsthand how much manipulation there is, like from being a kid. Like I, we, um, you know, I my mom is very, very politically connected, mm-hmm. like very active, and she's always been doing, you know, fundraisers. She's always been like crazy left wing, you know, like shaking down the trees. Nice. And my dad was very right wing. <laughs> like seriously, I remember my dad was talking about Newt Gingrich like, when I was a little kid, and I was like, who's this? Newt Gingrich. I mean, like, really, really right wing. Mm. So I, I grew up in a household that was very divisive politically. Mm. And so for me, it was um, it was like air. You know, it was like it, I was always, and, and being in the suburb, like, all our friends were either, you know, they were on one side or another. You know, they were either lobbyists or they were, you know, they worked with the EPA or mm. they worked to, like, undermine all environmental laws. I mean, that's, you know, those are the people that were around. So we knew that it mattered what people did, and we knew that it mattered what, what, um, where they put their energy and their money. And I remember, I mean, that was Reagan, you know, Reagan revolution time, mm-hmm. man. It was a drab, horrible time to be around, you know, AIDS quilts on the White House lawn, and mm-hmm. Ronnie and, you know, Nancy don't come out, and they don't look at a fucking... They don't walk out once and look at the AIDS quilt. I mean, mm. this was, it was such a horrific, t- and, you know, Reagan, that w- the, the germ of so much stuff that's going on now was there. This de- The deregulation, mm. the anti-government, the, the kind of like the, the phony, folksy, everyman patter of Reagan that came up to, you know, to, to George, mm. you know, W. And, like, there was... And, and, a, and a hostility towards the federal government. Instead of like, hey, you know, we're paying taxes. Let's try to optimize how these how this money is spent, and what what you know, let's have a real grown up discussion about, you know, what kind of social safety there is going to be a social safety net. Let's just have a a, 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 a real conversation instead of this kind of um, just baiting. You know, they're doing this 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 Representative King, this guy from New York, is doing this like, you know, Islamic seminar thing where they're they're ba- it's like they're just baiting all of the dialogue now is just baiting one side mm-hmm. against another and mm-hmm. it's there is not um an honest dialogue going on and for me the beginning of that and that's just maybe i grew up under his shadow but for me the beginning was like the reagan revolution and to see reagan also being like you know Heralded as this yeah, wonderful right. American, what, where the fuck did that yeah. come yeah. from? Because his numbers were low. I mean, his his yeah, his he, polling numbers were relatively he was a low. Fucking joke. Yeah, he was he a was, joke. <laughs> yeah. And then now it's like he's an idol. I don't understand yeah. what the hell happened. And also, he was not a true conservative. I mean, he ran up huge deficits. Oh, he raised taxes seven times. He yeah. did all kinds of like um, contor- political contortions that would not be acceptable to any Tea Party member. I mean, he was yeah. definitely not. And he's being held up as the conservative's conservative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, it. but it's all, it's all propaganda, man. It's all total fucking storytelling. You know, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> it's a horrible. It's a horrible reality. Yeah. Um, but it's an important one to acknowledge. Yeah. And so you, so you didn't just get awakened, you know, I, I was... Personally, I was awakened by 9-11, and I just kind of dovetailed into all the crazy shit that's going on. But it seems like you were already kind of just awake your whole life. It was it was helpful to grow up in that environment yeah. because my my um, one of my best friends 
from college, Ron Pritula, his mother was Ronald Reagan's personal secretary. Mm. And so, like, like day-to-day photos of Reagan all in their house. And, like, so I, I grew I never met Reagan, but I grew up in, 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 that, in that specter. You know what I mean? Oh. And it was like I was at Reagan's inauguration, you know? Like, intense, you know? That's like really So, and I, and the, yeah, so I was always politically interested, but I would say that there have been moments of my, there have been eras of my life where I've had to stop caring yeah. because it gets too annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too frustrating, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, the, you know, the Obama thing has to be, it's a shocker. You know, you, you, you think that you finally got a break and it just ends up to be like completely, you're like, wow, is this it? Like, you know, like is this what it's like? Like, was this, was Clinton like this? I mean, I don't remember yeah, yeah, Clinton yeah. being this disappointed. I remember it being disappointing, but right. I remember, this is a different level of disappointment to me. I think it it's seems that like. people were just so pushed to the brink that we were just so just like expecting so much because yeah. of you know how beaten down and Democrat yeah. and the whole con- the whole country was at the time. So I think it was just kind of swept up into that nationalist fervor. But yeah. it was interesting the 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 corporatization of like Obama's whole campaign. I mean, I'd never. It was just eerie to me to see like a logo and yeah. a brand yeah. of a politician. I mean, yeah. I, I can't remember that happening. Yeah. It just is a scary precedent. Yeah. You know, he, he's spending a billion dollars on his campaign. It's set out to be like a billion and a quarter next yeah. campaign cycle. Yeah. It's like, where the fuck are our priorities here? And and that money is, those are soft bribes. I mean, that Absolutely. has to be, you look at Wall Street, you look, I mean, we know, I mean, and the thing too that's that's different is that we're in perpetual war era. These will never be shut down. We're not. It's a commodity. Yeah, and we're holding resources there. We're 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 we, we didn't build the biggest embassy in the world for nothing. You know what I mean? We're there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like we're there, and so the, it may just be unmovable right mm-hmm. now. You know, this whole thing may be. It may be set in stone. You know. Going back to what you said about, you know, it seems like these two sides are baiting against each other, and that's kind of the political discourse right now. Um, it's interesting. It seems like the the debate right now is just how to manage the empire in different ways. Yeah. You're not talking about, is there another way that we don't need, yeah. you know, an imperialist yeah. empire that's yeah. just, like, holding bases and, and involved in all these countries. So that's where I that's what really kills me it's like I don't feel like my voice is represented that I don't yeah. I don't agree with either of those things it's a false dichotomy yeah. that you need to yeah. kind of fall in the line of, of yeah. either one I just wanted to kind of um, play a couple songs on the radio and then just have yeah, you just play comment, anything anything you want yeah comment yeah. on a couple of them the first one that I wanted to play is Exodus Damage from Pixel Revolt um, the video is amazing is yeah. that your photography? No, that, that is my photography and that's Brent Chesniak who did the yeah he's really really good yeah really yeah. like very very awesome interpretation of yeah. that song yeah. visually yeah very Brent cool. is, is awesome yeah so we're going to play that right now Exit is damage, bleed 
could not commit Some things I'll never be So now we're talking about this I'm starting to lose my confidence And no one ever says a word about So much that happens in the world Dance, dance, revolution All we're gonna get Unless it falls apart So I say go, go, go on my cell with you You said this would happen just like that It did Wrong about the feeling Wrong about the sound But right to say We would stand down An hour went by Without a fighter in the sky You said there's a reason why Tell me now I must confess I'm not I'm not sick enough to guess Dance, dance, revolution All we're gonna get Unless it falls apart So I say go, go, go
a little bit about Exodus Damage because that's a really powerful song. Well, the you know my the initial idea of Exodus Damage was I, I got really interested in Timothy McVeigh. I'm still interested in yeah. like homegrown terrorism and what mm-hmm. counts as you know. I think that there was some recently there was some backpack bomb that was left on a parade route. I want to say it was in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. but it was like some white supremacist. They, this happened within the you should Google it. It's within the past month. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! And it was you know. Absolutely buried because it doesn't follow the discourse, which mm-hmm. is you know Muslim extremists mm-hmm. who are you know sleeper cells, all this bullshit. So you know these these homegrown terrorists, which are way more insidious and just it's much more likely that that's where it's going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this was like a white supremacist, or it was like a domestic you know incident that happened. But anyways, I got really interested in Timothy McVeigh, and I got interested in some of the hangers on around him that weren't willing to commit to his idea of, like, revolution and his idea of, like, extreme violence. I mean, that's, you know, there's, you, when you reach that point where, you, where all of a sudden you're talking to some guy and he's like, yeah, I'm going to bring a fertilizer bomb to the right. when Oklahoma City, you're probably like, either you hang up the phone or you don't, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I gotta, all right, I'm in. Yeah, totally. Like, so the, the caller, the narrator is not in. And he, reg- he, he regrets that he can't go all the way. I just thought it was fascinating, oh, mm. you know, like a fascinating, you know, it's, it's a very fictionalized, you know, it's not really about Timothy McVeigh, but it's about um, a, you know, someone who's inside who's talking to a real insider. And the regret of not being able to commit 100% to a cause, whatever that cause is. And... That was the impetus of the song, and there's specifically a relationship that that um, that one of Timothy McVeigh's co-conspirators had with him, where the co-conspirator basically expressed regret at the trial for not being able to commit 100. percent And I thought that was just fascinating, hmm. you know. So that was the beginning of that song, and I thought that, you know, like to be, you know, we all have to be certain and fight through nihilism in whatever we do. If you make a record, you make a record over nine months and you mm-hmm. have to every day, you know, steel yourself against your own doubts. And so I thought that if you're politically committed, let's say you're fighting, you're in a rebel group and you're in Libya right now, you have to every day redefine what you're doing mm-hmm. and why you're doing it and, and guard yourself against doubt because it's insane, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you do, it's insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I find that to be a very interesting human predicament. And, and it's what's great about humans and what's dangerous about humans. You know, there's a Nietzschean idea like genealogy of morals is that in humans would, would in the, humans in the absence of any strong belief system will find almost randomly something to believe in mm-hmm. because it's, it's the predicament of being human. And, you know, it's, it's a fascinating capacity that you, that, you know, like you're like, why is there est? Why is there Scientology? Why, you know, well, this is human nature. You know what I mean? Like you will in a vacuum, you will go, you know, to some other belief system. If yeah. you're if you've like had a falling out with your church or Christianity or you know Islam, whatever it is. Um, and that capacity of humans is what's so endearing to me for extremism, for insanity, right. you know. And for greatness, like, you know, like you're saying, the Nietzschean kind of that, that super ego or just like the finding your true will. And, absolutely. And then you can take that to the extreme. Yeah, absolutely. For, for greatness. Right. Absolutely. Right. 
It's a shame when people don't seem to seek out any sort of passions. Mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated with people who don't seem to um, pursue some sort of thing within within them. It's like we all know that we have that, yeah. and you have to really like seek that out. I think if we were to witness a, a, a random public school classroom or just classroom mm -hmm. and see how teachers and principals talk to kids, I think we'd see where that comes from, that just beaten, mm -hmm. everything's beaten out of them. The first thing that's being cut is music and art, which is yeah. the most important, yeah. I mean, arguably the most it's important insane. thing yeah. that you can give yeah. kids. Yeah. It's just, it's so tragic. Did you want to... No, I was just going to say, one of my favorite things about you as an artist is you examine these really interesting human emotions and these bits of humanity that I think a lot of other artists don't get into. I'm curious, is that because you want to share that with the world and like bring out these things so that people are more aware? Is it like just dealing with things yeah, emotionally just, yourself, yeah, like just the way you realizing that this it? exists and needing to like get yeah, it out yeah, of your yeah, system yeah. and I, have I that would, catharsis? For your own sanity. Yeah, <laughs> I would say definitely both of those. I yeah. mean, like... I love pop music when I'm listening to songs. You know, hip-hop is one of the only things that kind of satisfies this mm -hmm. desire. It's like, I want to hear weird shit being mm -hmm. said. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to yeah. hear extreme language being used. I want to hear, like, surprise. I want to be surprised. And so I always try to do that in my own writing. And I definitely... Um, yeah, I want to be surprised, but I also, of course, have to process... You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it. You know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday when I was mopping the the room next mm -hmm. door, and they were, this writer was talking about um, how for him, he, when he writes stories, he's actually dealing not head on with his own problems, but like, like it's like a, a sideways um, filtering out of this horrible internal problem, the problem that if he were actually to really deal with it. Directly, it would like incinerate him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And just really quickly, we can move on from Exodus Damage, but um, the dance revolution—that that phrase to me is so powerful because it can be interpreted in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if you want to comment on just like what what made you think of that, and what what really does that mean? Well, I had just been to Japan. There's like millions of iterations of Dance Dance Revolution video games everywhere, and I just. It's fascinating too, and it's all like, <laughs> yeah, and it's incre it, and all these people are like playing that game, and there's huge crowds, and they're really, really. It's like a totally different level of of gaming in the states, mm -hmm. and there's like video game rooms that are so much more intense, anyways. And I, I just thought, well, like, how often is the word revolution used? <laughs> like that's when they really mean it. Like there's like Revolution yeah. Cafe right, down the right, street. Right. It's like there's Dance Dance Revolution. But like, you know what I mean? Like I just thought, wow, is that all we're gonna get? Is like these like echoes of echoes of you know like. Yeah. So that was like you know. That's so perfect. Now that I hear, like, that it makes it so much better. That's great. Um, and then I also wanted to to play Heated Pool and Bar. Oh yeah, yeah, songs. yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely love that yeah. song. So we're gonna play that right now. Hunk kids in camouflage 
for this song because it seems like it's it's all over the place you know you go from the Colombian drug cartels yeah. to Afghanistan and yeah Europe, that was before the invasion too I think <laughs> <laughs> so right when we were wow. starting like that was early on yeah, yeah. Um, so and actually that was that was around the time of the invasion the um, the 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 thing that I, I I guess sometimes I like having these songs that in some ways like they try to justify, like, extreme military... You know, that song, in some ways, is, like... The narrator is justifying mm-hmm. this, like, broad tentacle approach to, like, foreign policy where, you know, we have to be involved in all these areas. And if we're going to be involved, then it has to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. And then through using this language, you're like, wow, that's really harsh, like, really you know, a terrible way to look at the world. And it almost, like, when you see... Every problem solved by, um, by, military you know, action. hard military action, non-diplomatic action. Then you, you, what happens is that you get this like calcified, and we have this for hundreds of years of like imperial. Like you, we have 
so many military bases. It's un- the count. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of bases we have. It's like unbelievable. We're in yeah, like two hundred country. I mean, something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. it's like you like would insane. not even believe it. Yeah, it's insane. Like it's crazy. <laughs> and that's not even counting like the CIA black budget yeah. running around. I mean, yeah. who the hell knows yeah. what the like the CIA yeah. is doing? But I mean, yeah, it's nuts. And it's nuts. So the, to me, it was like it's a fascinating like, you know. You get involved in a country, and it's very, very difficult to pull out. Mm-hmm. And if you see every country's problems as your own problem, um, then you have this almost like world-weary, you know, like literally like an octopus. It's yeah. like you are everywhere, and your your infrastructure, which is to- just 100% brute force. Right. I mean, we're not doing... You know, we're not building schools in Afghanistan. Right. I mean, as m- right. much as NPR wants to play this story up, it's just like, you know what I mean? We're paving roads so big, we huge military fucking things can drive Black down. Water tanks yeah, you know? I mean, like, I mean, come on, you know? And so I, there's, like, yeah, that was the impetus. And also, there, it's, a tri- it's a triptych. Like, you know, you have, like, you know, you have Colombia, which, and again, there is drugs Mm-hmm. In, in two, both the, two of those stories, there are drugs, which mm-hmm. is a big reason why we are places. It is another resource. It Absolutely. is another very, very valuable asset. And remember that if you don't control something, someone else controls it. So, for instance, it, if the Taliban is making hundreds and hundreds of million dollars d- dollars a year selling raw, you know, opium to Turkey so it can be refined, then if we don't hold that territory, then this rebel group is incredibly well-funded. Well, then all of that heroin money filters its way through, you know, Z and Blackwater and all these other military people, and there's an enormous amount of, like, bribery and crooked shit going on. Well, that's just part of the game, you know? And same with, you know, Vietnam. Part of Vietnam is about heroin. And Mm -hmm. to, to not recognize that this is a really essential part of American policy. And you don't even have to say that we're selling heroin. It doesn't need to go that far, but it's the, it's the control of resources that can extra constitutional money mm-hmm. that can turn into weaponry that can be pointed at your own military interests. So you have to control it. And we're, Absolutely. you know, and, and oil, natural gas, these things, how could you not? I mean, fuck, we're about to cross $4 a gallon. Yeah. How can we not think that I mean, if we were just amoral assholes, we'd say, of course we should invade Iraq. Right. Fuck it. Why aren't we in Saudi right. Arabia? Yeah, yeah. What's the fucking hold up? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Just so, fucking be real about it. Don't yeah, just so be real about it. Yeah, don't shit. give me this democracy and show these blue <laughs> thumbprints. Like we know that there's illiterate people. They're, you know what they were doing in the first Iraq elections? They were putting, like, symbols for, for, for people. Because there's so many people that are illiterate that they would put, like, a chicken. And that would be, like, someone running for school board or whatever. And just like, you know, these are not elections, man. Come on. Karzai, the Afghanistan. And like these are clearly oh, not yeah. elections, and we're paying for all this. The Iraqi interim government's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. It's like we're, and the thing is that forget. Let's just say that we don't care, and that we don't. We hope all these fucking Muslim people. Let's just say that we want all these people to die because right. that's, and that's fine if that's if you're being honest about it. Right, but right. the amount of money that's being spent to control these resources, I would argue, is not worth it. It's right. just just from a clearly. Like, where do the lines cross on a fucking grid? It's not worth the money. And all that money is not trickling down to us anyways. It's not sustainable you know? to, to build an empire on debt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we're, you know, I heard Joseph Stigler already said that the Iraq war, um, an underestimate is 
three trillion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's outrageous. And I just read this article yesterday that said every American's paying five thousand dollars just to maintain the U.S. defense spending. Just think about where that money could be going. And it's compound interest. I mean, yeah. you're into okay. a point now where you you are dealing with a you know ten fifteen percent debt service every year. I mean, that's the, if we had credit cards, fuck, I never paid that in my life on yeah. credit card. That's a lot of money to be paying for interest. It's very very. It's quicksand. That's how mm-hmm. people lose their homes, you know. Right. And we know that every empire has lost it by overextending. Right. I mean, that's just it's human nature. It's Maybe it's nature. unavoidable. You right. Know? Yeah. And and you know you're talking about controlling these resources, and I almost like to think of it as as a big new Brzezinski wrote this book called The Grand Chessboard, and it seems like all these neoliberal neoconservative elites adhere to the game theory, where they just need to strategically set up almost um, thinking, well, this might be something that we want to do in the future, so we've got to set up our base there and here and here and just kind of controlling these things, and it's kind of just like the end justifies the means for them, you know? Absolutely. And collateral damage, and it's it's, it's a sick, twisted (laughs) logic. And it's expensive. I mean, you know what I mean? Because the the moral thing doesn't... These people are... Yeah, let's say you don't give a fuck about killing human beings. I mean, shit, we can't afford this. Yeah, we can't afford afford it. Exactly. Because that's part of, you know, the game thing, that's part of, like, the homeland theory, or the heartland Mm -hmm. theory, which is, like, you know, you take Iraq, because it's you look at it on the map and you're like, you um, U.S. military has to be there. Right. You look at what's around the bordering right. countries, what yeah. what's happening in the region, how unstable it is, and you look at where resources need to flow, natural gas and oil, where you need to have pipelines and where you need to route stuff. And just if you were playing a game of risk, you would have to take Iraq. You right. would. That's what right. the goal of the game would be. You know, it'd be like, fuck, man, this is a smart place for me to camp out. You know, Absolutely. and you know, it's it's. So if that were the debate, if the yeah, presidential yeah. debates went like that, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Because then you can really weigh the cost of, of, of you know, civilian life mm-hmm. and, and, and weigh the cost of, like, running up these massive military, you know, deficits. But, like, it, it's not sold to, to you like that. It's sold to you like, you know, an expression of... Freedom. It's like a childlike fantasy that we're living in. It's just like a very bizarre, twisted reality. That it seems like uh, you know you've traveled all over the world, and everyone else is just like shocked, yeah. <laughs> and just ignorant, and they're like, "Really? You really think that that's that's what's going on?" It's it's really incredible. Um, what what is it? Do you think that people just don't travel? I mean, what the hell is going on that we're just so? Well, I think that there is a part. I mean, I think that you know, I think. What you have in anything is you have, like, let's say you're talking about, um, like, um, Harry Potter, or you're talking about, like, Anne Rice, or these, let's talk about just, like, a niche. You have, you always have a very small percentage of a population that drive everything. Let's say, let's talk about, like, uh, 80s video game consoles. Let's talk about people that, like, they want to collect, like, Robotron and Stargate and all these old video game consoles. Mm -hmm. Like, like... If you look at that market, it's probably 5,000 people. But if you look at what drives that market, the people that refurbish the machines, the people that write the blogs, the people that generate 99% of the heat around this market, it's probably 10 people. And so that's what you get when you get, like, most, if you take, if you look at voting, the percentage of people that vote, and then you look at people that actually show up every election, they actually, Mm -hmm. they donate money, Coke brothers mm-hmm. on down, you know what I mean? Like people that that are incredibly motivated. You're getting into smaller and smaller numbers, mm-hmm. and the more 
radicalize someone. You know, they estimate 10 to 15 percent of the American population are evangelical, evangelical right. voters, right? right? Well, they're way, way more powerful than their numbers. Absolutely. And that's like what it's all... They're step uniform. Right? Oh, yeah. And they're, they're, it's like, so you can have small coalitions that have tremendous power, and then you can have broad, loose coalitions that have zero power, like literally zero power. Right. I mean... I'm shocked at who I know that doesn't vote. My mm-hmm. brother doesn't vote. I mean, all mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. that are in my life, they don't vote. Or they're so fried. They're so done. And so you can have you can have 30 or 40 industrialists that drive the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Roger Ailes, you know, Chairman of Fox. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy is tremendously important. Mm-hmm. To the, to, the, to the dialogue. This guy can feed in stories in the fucking ticker of mm-hmm. Fox News all day long and drive radio, drive Rush, drive you know, Glenn Beck. He can, he can drive the debate. And the whole thing is like, is driving a debate. It's like, it's just, it's just about like keeping the chatter going from one side. It doesn't matter if it's phony stories. Yeah. It doesn't birther Kenyan whatever, this whole right. Huckabee shit. It doesn't right, matter right, right. what it is. It's just it just keeps the news cycle just chattering about it keeps the two sides, you know, this whole the abortion thing. It's like are we seriously de evolved in point two thousand eleven abortion? You were rights? talking about state funding of t- <laughs> I mean, two thousand eleven with me? the way that and gay marriage. And gay marriage in South like, Africa is still institutionalized racism until ten yeah. years ago and they had gay marriage legalized yeah. <laughs> a decade ago. It's like it's, what it, the hell? it is shocking. And it is it's a it's a brilliant tactic and this tactic i don't think it's coming from the street of like tea party supporters right. or like evangelical i think it's coming from the tippy That's tippy top of people that are very very amoral and very transcendent on these issues they probably just could give a shit i mean dick cheney do you think dick cheney cares about gay marriage one way or the other i mean people yeah. like that i mean come on they are they're top level thinkers man they're they're looking at maps you mm-hmm. know what i mean they're just like that's how they're 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 looking at like electoral votes states and then the broad map and then like resources yeah. <laughs> resource allocation i mean these are and you know that so i guess the question is like you know how many you know how many people are really driving an election mm-hmm. and even forget that there's tons of states it does not matter if you vote in california mm-hmm. sorry it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it may mm-hmm. matter if you vote for rot by mm-hmm. 19 or 8 but it doesn't matter if you vote in a in a in a presidential election in california right. it doesn't matter i right. mean tell you he's obama's going to win i tell you that right now everyone knows that it's pointless it's one mm-hmm. out of every 8 people their vote does not matter for president yeah. because of the electoral system so but and you know and but people are somehow sucked into that. That's like all they care about is these federal elections every yeah. four years, and they get duped into that. Yeah, and, and, change and all and the money. Illusion, yeah. And then it's disempowered. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's designed. And it's enormously wasteful financially. Right. So then you have like these crazy ass swing states, and, yeah. and also states like Iowa that just drives corn because of this retarded, you know, the, the way that we do primaries. I mean, that's why we have fucking ethanol. Is because yeah, yeah, of yeah. Iowa being first up in the primaries. Oh my God! South Carolina is trying to put a bill into place that will basically say that killing an abortion provider is justifiable homicide. That's how twisted South Carolina is. It's like, yeah, and they're I early mean, in the primaries, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, like. They tr- and it also radicalizes the right. right. Like, so you have yeah. clowns like Huckabee that are really, you know, and and Palin that these are potential. Absolute potential candidates that can get through, mm-hmm. you know, and Mitt, R- Mitt Romney. It's just like, it's yeah. crazy. It's totally frightening. Um, 
I just wanted to, to talk about one last song, um, the one that resonated the most with me just because, you know, my own political awakening came from 9-11. I was, um, my ex-boyfriend in high school joined the army because of 9-11, and so that's what wow. put me on this path just to seek answers and, and put me down the rabbit hole, but Tablespoon of Coding from Emerald City is just such, oh, yeah. a, such a fucking awesome song. Yeah, cool. Holy shit, because it just like, I don't know, you're you can go in the way of like the pharmaceutical industry just dumbing us down with pills and just everything has like a solution where it's just we don't face reality and we yeah. just kind of dumb ourselves down there's a guy from the sun tribune staking out my house in a chevy impala since yesterday speak to him or just stay quiet they hear the whistle blow and outpours the blood of my child tablespoon of codeine put you right 
that can't be said From the FAA, the empty desk of Alan Armistead Tablespoon of codeine Put you right Well, I mean, you know, part of it for me was going down the rabbit hole, you know, of 9-11 and like it, it was the the whole sh radical shift of the empire where in 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 basic with basically one attack, you had the biggest shift in foreign policy that's mm -hmm. happened in 100 years in the States, which was that preemptive war was on the table. And that was. I mean, talk about going down the rabbit. I just thought, how did we get? Then you start to look back. For me, the most insane thing was looking back at like Project for New American Century, whatever that group was. You know, the initial group that had drawn up plans of like we have to go into these heartlands. Like we have this is what we should do, and that you realize that these plans have been on the table for decades, mm -hmm. and that you see these photos, and it's the same player. You see Paul Wolfowitz, and you see Dick Cheney, and you see like Rumsfeld, and right. you're like, this is. I mean. It's almost like a satire of a conspiracy. Do you know what I mean? It's right. just like fuck. Are these like too predictable? It's yeah, like, it's where are the people who assassinated JFK? Where do you think they went? It's like these people have been in. You know, they've yeah. been in, in the game. And, and they it haven't it, left. It's it was to me. It was so. And then, but then you think like, of course, I think of my own business life. Like you know, if like the B room or like my plan. I've been planning all kinds of shit for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm always planning shit. You know what I mean? Like, and like, and so for me, it was, it was fascinating to go to look back pre um, Afghanistan and Iraq. For me, the big things were how, how did, was this, you know, I was around when, when Reagan invaded Grenada with mm -hmm. 400 troops. It was a, absolute stunner. This was the first time that we'd stepped on foreign soil since Vietnam. Mm -hmm. It was crazy how much of, a, of an argument this was, like mm -hmm. an internal debate in the country. Now, where, where we went in 20 years from that point to where we are now, it's crackers. I mean, there weren't military contractors until right. 10 years ago. They were a very, they were janitors. You know what I mean? Like right. now it's half of our force. Yeah, it's half of our force. And they're, they're in some kind of legal limbo that serves all kinds of war crime. I mean, it's like oh, a perfect yeah. way to just go and fucking behead people, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, like due process and, and, you know, extraordinary rendition and these ghost planes. And I mean, I went nuts, man. And I do have a prescription for um, for codeine cough syrup, <laughs> so I actually really, I really did, and it, you know, it really made me crazy. All this mm -hmm. stuff made me crazy, and I found myself like drinking this cough syrup. 
to, to turn off my mind and to go to sleep. And I found it very, very unsettling. So, I mean, there is part of, part of that song was, was real for me, you know, wow. and it was sad. Like, do you really have to drug yourself to yeah. stop being depressed about your, you know, your country and your, and, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that I really, I love this country, man. I yeah. think this is an incredible, it's an incredible experiment. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic, like, you know, um, you know, when you think about the, the, the hatred of authority and the hatred of, 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 kingships and like concentrated power and this this like sacred idea of like three branches of government mm-hmm. that are at war with each other mm-hmm. you know and that the judicial branch fights the legislative branch and then they're 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 completely immune from elections and from recalls and then all of a sudden you see that all this crazy right wing wants to do is strip that away mm-hmm. they want like a monotheist crazy ass autocratic government i mean the idea that they were getting these these judges, you know, recalled or like death threats against judges, and it's like the whole. What's interesting about Mer- America is this: for you know the late eight, you know, you know, seventeenth century, an incredibly radical government, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, a very um, anti, you know, monarchy sure. uh, like philosophy, and that stuff. Talk about de-evolution. You know, right. the whole thing of like, full are we real? Yeah, full circle. <laughs> are we really debating this? Like, I right. mean, so, yeah. I it, I was radicalized, and you can only go so far before you become nihilistic, you know, right. and before it's too much, because, you know, you want to believe. You want to believe in where you live and where you pay taxes and where you, you know, when you're in a voting booth that, it's not a completely manipulated and, and evil, yeah. distinct, you know, like choice that you have, you know. Yeah, that's that's the hard part about delving into research like this is people lose it. Yeah. And and, unless you channel it positively. Yeah, unless you channel it And there is an enormous, it goes without saying, but there's an enormous amount of poverty in this country. And for me, touring in the, in the aughts was disturbing. Every time we'd go on tour, the country was more and more busted. There was more and more trailer parks. There was more and more fucked up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, abandoned cities, like cities that are literally that the federal government has withdrawn. I mean, Katrina was a big deal, but shit, that's there's many versions of that everywhere. And growing up in the South, it's like it's pretty fucking busted, you know. And that was it's shocking. You're in the richest country of all time, right. and it's getting worse and worse every time you you go. You, six months later, you drive through Alabama, and you're like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah, yeah. Like, did Katrina hit? So, yeah, yeah, was no, it didn't. <laughs> did Z roll through here and yeah. wash it up? Yeah, the unemployment thing. I feel like it's totally not reflecting the truth because think about how many people are moonlighting. Yeah, how many yeah. people are just like doing independent stuff. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Do you see it? Do you? What do you? I don't know. What do you see happening here? I mean, we're... I mean, it can't be good, right? right. I mean, the debate is so retrograde. The, the debate now is so... Um, it's it's infantile, the, yeah. what's on the table now. Yeah. I mean, there is... I mean, the whole healthcare rollout was insane. I mean, like, you... We're competing against countries like Germany and France and... 
um, you know, Scandinavian block. Like mm-hmm. we're competing, you know, because we're going. We, the only way we would ma- we would possibly eke it out is as an information society, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so as a progressive Western democracy that like peddles information and content, but we're we're behaving like like. China. I mean, and, yeah, you know, yeah. we're, we're we're having like this these debates that wouldn't fly for two seconds in 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 you know Western Northern Europe, mm-hmm. which is where we should be. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you know, my wife is French, and the 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 it's shocking just to get her to fil- have this country filtered through her eyes. She just she cannot believe. The things yeah, that are yeah, yeah. when she watches the debates. Yeah, I mean, she yeah, just yeah. can't believe it that it's on that these. I mean, now France has its own problems, but like, you know, there are. You'd like to think that there's some kind of progress being made, right, with like basic human mm-hmm. rights or like, mm-hmm. you know. I think it is the evangelical stronghold. That's a big. That's I, a big problem. I think it's been a. It's it's halted a lot of progress. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean this this whole abortion thing and and the the gay rights that it's even an issue and we just have these issues brought up in every election and we're never going to fully agree so it's just the perfect divide every time to yeah, just it's, distract us from yeah. what we should be talking about is can we sustain these wars? Yeah. And I love people just someone the other day was just like, "Well, Obama ended ended the Iraq war." It was like, "What are you talking?" Yeah, that I mean you're deluded. I mean, you're come just, on. I mean, insane. yes, he took out 50,000 troops, but there's 50,000 contractors that replace yeah. them. Yeah. And which is even more dangerous because they have absolutely no allegiance. Who the hell knows who these people are? I mean, we already know how fucked up Blackwater is. You yeah. have Eric Prince on an evangelical rampage. Yeah. yeah. Saying that he well, wants to. Well, I mean, the, that's that's old school, like. I mean, that's like 14th century stuff. Seriously. Th- that's crusades. Seriously. You know? I mean, well, now we don't have habeas corpus anymore, so I yeah. guess it all fits into that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that whole paradigm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just because Obama didn't come out with the flight suit on and say mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, the mission's not fucking accomplished. We're, we're going to be there for a long time. Like you yeah. said, there's a 770-acre base, not base, embassy that we just built that has its own water filtration yeah. system, its own electrical grid. It's like, what about supplying that for the Iraqis? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you guys got that all set up. Yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah, you guys are good. Yeah. And it, I think it has like a Taco Bell or a KFC in <laughs> nice. it too. I mean, it's like nice. fascinating. When you look into this thing, it's like we got to get corporate America in there. And again, we're paying. We're paying for it. You know. Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah, money well spent. Um, I read a lot about um, your thoughts on print and and yeah. know, print's dead. Yeah. Obviously, and and everything's going to be on on the internet now. It's interesting because we just sat down with Chris Hedges a couple of weeks ago, and he had a, a really sobering take, kind of a, a bizarre take on how because print is dying, the internet is actually dangerous because there's no real journalism being done anymore. You know, we're in, living in this inverse invert totalitarianism where we're just image inundated with images, and how yeah. that's dangerous for debate. It's diluting the intelligent discourse. Do you have anything to say to that? I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I, th- a couple years ago, I would have thought that the free flow of information on the internet, including even like, you know, raw documents like WikiLeaks stuff, mm-hmm. or like, for instance, like healthcare legislation. I mean, anyone can go online right. and download a massive PDF of <laughs> the actual. I mean, that's you know that right. should be useful, right? right. So a couple of years ago, I would said, I would have thought that it would have to elevate the national debate. Mm-hmm. But I, I've 
I, I think the national debate is at its lowest point since I can remember. I mean, so I, I don't I think that people get compartmentalized in their thinking and and maybe it's almost like an overwhelming amount of information and it can it can push people to the edges, you know, so then like it is it's exhausting to process information. So it's almost like too overwhelming to have that much at your fingertips. Yeah, and, and I do understand that, but I, I would have thought there would have been more cynicism. I mean, it's not like if the DNC makes a statement, I would just be like, bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the basic thing I would think. Yeah. And if the RNC makes a statement, I'd be like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, steal. Like, it's totally wrong. You're lying. You're, all, everything you're saying is, like, mm-hmm. not true. It, when Obama's giving a speech in general, I'm like, hmm, really? Mm-hmm. Like, is this, you know, I mean, that's... Isn't that the, that should be the human condition? Is like extreme cynicism and and like everything is is up for debate. But there's an enormous amount of cheerleading that's that's happening that I just wouldn't. I mean, this Tea Party stuff is is definitely kind of shocking. I mean, mm-hmm. I really didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. and it happened like if you look mm-hmm. at the timeline, it was like. 18 months ago or something. I mean, it just happened, man. It was just like yeah. a torrent, and I almost feel like it's. I, obviously, it's an organic movement. I think it started because libertarianism was becoming more popular, yeah. like the Ron Paul movement and all these people. And I think like Fox News and Glenn Beck is like siphoning that energy and have just totally convoluted it. And it's just like so crazy and extreme, and just propping up these players like Sarah Palin and giving her even a platform is like insulting. Yeah, I mean, well, how did the, this happen? The thing is that every time, because I I'm have no problem with libertarian. I mean, if yeah. if we're gonna like. If we're going to be in a room and there's, like, an evangelical Christian and then there's, like, a hardcore just, like, knee-jerk Democratic booster Uh and a libertarian guy, you would probably be agreeing more and be more charmed by the libertarian guy as long as he's not, like, a, you know, corporations or individuals kind of person, you know, just, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some – there's a branch of the Cato Institute that's just, like, if I've got a factory and there's a river here, then – you know, screw you, <laughs> fuck them, man. There's a pipeline of fucking <laughs> shit that's going to go into that river. You know, there is that e- economic, like, libertarianism that I, I totally disagree with. But th- but Ron Paul is, that guy is fascinating, man. I mean, he goes yeah. after his words on the, the he's the harshest, oh, wait, wait, what did you say? The Federal Reserve. Oh, and the Fed, and also his words on the Iraq war and contracts. I mean, he's by far the most critical person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, like, you know, first you hear about him, you're like, wow. Well, he wants to abolish like public school and stuff, and then. But the more you're like, well, I'd take that yeah, if we're yeah, out yeah. of a right. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, I can see de- doing a deal with this right, and that. Right, you know, right, it's like, right. I mean, it has to at least it's exciting. You know what I mean? Right, and like yes. these things are happening. You know what I mean? Is and it, abolishing the Fed, it's like okay, let's roll the dice. Already, well, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You become like you're like, well, sure, let's see what happens. Yeah. Could be like you know some crazy shit that happens. Yeah. You know why not? But. But at least the, pa- the, the 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 power structure will be inverted somewhat, you know. Mm. But the I'm just when you see who speaks to the Tea Partiers, they're like, man, there's got to be two percent of true libertarians in the audience because they would be right. booing people right. like Sarah Palin and Mitt Romney. And they, if they cared about fiscal imprudence, where the fuck were they the last eight years? Yeah, absolutely, they didn't say a word. So this is like this is there must be a very small sliver of those of those you know Ron Paul um, voters because the, those th- that is predicated on it's anti-religion mm-hmm. which is I'm great with mm-hmm. and it's absolutely anti-imperial mm-hmm. so those are to me those are massive getting beyond social safety net like I want a Paradigm strong change. shattering it's shattering 
I mean, we all want a huge social safety net, and that's where they, those guys would branch off. They'd be mm-hmm. like, nope, this is fucking pioneering days, dude. We're going over the Donner Pass, and you have you and your wife and your kids, and they're dying. Cannibalism, to, dude. Yeah, it's cannibalism, <laughs> totally. Your kids have TB. I would not eat them, but I would eat, you know, you know what? I mean, and so, but is that at least, what time to go is about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And at least that's a philosophical position that you can argue with and bargain with. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, okay, then you want that, then let's do this. You know, what if there's, you know, what if, you know, what if we crunch the numbers and it actually, you'll save money if you have some sort of welfare. I mean, it's actually cheaper to provide health care mm-hmm. than to provide no health care because, fuck, general hospital men, they have to treat people people that are not un, that are not seeing a doctor that are spending millions of dollars every year because they're mm-hmm. not see, they're not getting any preventative care. So at mm-hmm. some point you can run numbers and determine that it might be actually good to provide basic health care even for a workforce, right? I mean, right. just look at us all as robots. Like don't you like keep up your you know, your robots and do like yeah, you know, yeah, rewiring yeah, yeah. of the circuit board <laughs> or whatever, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It's like so I, yeah, when I look at the Tea Party rallies and all those signs, I just and I don't hear booing when I hear these people talking about you know Muslim extremists in our backyard. I, that's not a that's not a libertarian, you know. The most hilarious point of just how um, bullshit like that that whole debate is and how these players are propped up. Christine O'Donnell, I, I think she was like a fuck. I want to say Delaware. Oh yeah, she was the loony one. I'm not a witch, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and she was asked. She was like, she's like this huge tea partier and has been like rallying all these people up. And she was having a debate, and and it was recorded. And someone asked her um, what like the Fourth Amendment or or a couple other amendments, and she was just like, well, I didn't bring my pocket constitution with me today. It's like, well, that's fine, but when you're fucking running on it, you got to know that shit. I'm sorry, but kind of just like discredited oh, yeah. yourself right there. Oh, yeah. She didn't even know like anything at all like it was yep. just it was astounding um or it's when you know i'm sure you guys have seen this when john stewart asks some of these really kooky evangelical representatives or congresspeople like what the t- name you know if you want to post the the the, the um the like the 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 10 what commandments like name two of them three of them and they can't it's un- <laughs> i mean if you've got to google this it's stunning how many people are like well there's uh don't sleep with you know like, i mean they don't they really don't know and it's like fuck i mean you know i mean just so it shows how disingenuous they are yeah, that yeah. it is a political game yeah. it's not any sort of real fundamental root yeah absolutely it's just like a lot of the uh, the evangelical like uh, <laughs> i'm going to generalize and say a lot of them but um Many of them, <laughs> some of them, have come out and been so vehemently against gay people, and then it comes out that they've actually been having a gay prostitute on the side, oh, doing yeah. meth. You're like, what the fuck? It's almost just like when you're so hateful, what are you really hating about <coughs> yeah. yourself? Yeah. I mean, why otherwise, are you so obsessed? Otherwise, with this? why would you get so obsessed? Right. Just like there's tons of pedophiles that are involved in like, you know, they've had this over and over. This is a, a, a thing that. If there's a missing, like, remember the girl from Petaluma that was missing, mm-hmm. and they they named a big law after her. Well, I think the guy that ended up doing it was like the first guy that like volunteered to help or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. always have this overlap of like, you know. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, and you briefly mentioned Obama. Were you? You know, I know that you were really against Bush, obviously, but were you kind of sucked into that whole? Oh yeah, I was yeah, pumped. You, you were pumped. My thing is, I just thought, I mean, I went through Clinton. I knew that, you know, shit, Clinton, you know, was a dirty double dealer, too. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, 
it's Clinton was way better than Reagan, mm -hmm. way better than mm -hmm. George, you know, Herbert Walker Bush, way better. And the thing is, I just thought it has to, you know, if we can just pull out of mm -hmm. Iraq, you know, he ran on, he ran on a lot of stuff. He ran on healthcare, ran on like don't, you know, ending don't ask, don't. I just thought there would be like within the first two weeks there would be these incredibly strong, you know, proclamations and and like executive orders that were just like done. This is done. That's done. This right, is right, done. Right. Like. And I thought that we would be out of Iraq within three or four years. It's probably totally naive. But I really thought, I was thought, I thought, you know, this thing, it's like you even are, you're even having like debate on the right whether we should be there. So we'll be gone. I never thought that Afghanistan would get ramped up. I just, I didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it just goes to show you what like desperation will lead you to, you know, like in the absence of, um, you know, any hope. You know, see, to, <laughs> you know, you know, copyright TM. Like you will. I, I mean, I was, I wasn't like unrealistically excited, but I just thought it has to be better. Mm -hmm. And hey, better, but it, it has not been better. I mean, he's been arguably worse on on civil liberties than Bush, which is really scary. Actually, he's seeking out a three-year extension on the Patriot Act, which yeah. is like three times more than even the Republicans want. Yeah, which would should have been the first thing that was repealed. I mean, that should have been right. I mean, this is you know. And you have Bradley Manning sitting in a cell, naked, being stripped naked every day. Every they night. strip him every day. Can you imagine? Yeah. It? I just can't help but think if this was if during Bush's term, like during like the height of the anti-Bush fervor, if he was holding a political prisoner yeah. that had no charges against him. There's no charges. I mean, it's, and, just, and it's it, shocking. It's, it's there's many many people, including uh, Glenn. Re Greenwald that argued that what he did was not illegal. It could not be prosecuted under any. Law. I don't even believe he leaked him because if yeah. he did, why haven't we seen one shred of fucking yeah. evidence? That when he he's did? also mentally unstable. Right. I mean, you're just you're clearly like picking on someone who's has is either bipolar or has some yeah. some problems. And you're breaking him down psychologically by keeping him in a solitary yeah. cell. I mean, I mean, it's just it's sick. It's yeah. beyond sick. I mean, we've yeah. tortured a lot of people. You know, my brother has a theory that, um, you know, we're doing so much torturing of people that aren't guilty in Guantanamo. There was tons of people that right. were just picked up. They were sold oh, by yeah. clans or whatever, or they, they were 14. Mm -hmm. they, have no actionable, they have no actionable intelligence whatsoever, but that we're doing so much torturing so we can learn how to torture and we can learn what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. work and that it's like almost intel, you know. Because why? Why waterboard someone for 120 times who's like 16? Yeah, you know who's like literally was sold for five thousand dollar ransom. You know? Yeah, yeah, and well, it was funny because we, our news outlets actually referred to waterboarding as torture before we started doing it, yeah. and then they started referring it to as enhanced interrogation techniques. Yeah. And to me, being you know holding someone in a cell in solitary confinement, that is complete torture. Yeah. Um, so we are torturing, and, you yeah. know, and just because we're yeah. exporting it to Egypt and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iraq isn't doing yeah. it for us anymore. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Khalid Sheikh Muhammad thing, being waterboarded like 180 times in a month, and then he yells out a name of some woman who was like an MIT professor, Afia Siddiqui. He just yell, he says her name 180th time that he's waterboarded, and then we arrest this woman who's like a very well-known doctor, and she's in jail for the rest of her life. It's just like, what in the hell? Where are we getting our intel from? I mean, yeah, yeah. Isn't, doesn't everyone know that torture doesn't work? Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking. So... Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. This is awesome. This is I really so cool. appreciate it. I was really excited that you asked me. I'm, that was cool. Oh my god, so cool. Um, 
I guess just give a shout out about where people can find out more about your music and what's what's coming up. I know that you have a show in June, right? Yeah, we're going to do June 17th at Herbst Theater. It's going to be a magic, magic orchestra, White Wilderness. It'll be the only time that White Wilderness is played with an orchestra. In its entirety. Wow. Yeah, we're going to play it in its entirety. And then a bunch of back catalog and like great, you know, it'll be really fun. He'll be okay. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll be there too. That'd be yeah. great. Um, so, is it just uh, your, you know, just johnbanderslice.com? Yeah, or? and there's like tons of sites. I like I, I'm really into like running a bunch of sites. So I have like three Tumblr accounts. And, yeah. You know, I'm just out there. <laughs> you know? So I'm easily Googleable for sure. Googleable. And new studio is in April. Or yeah, the, uh, May first. Yeah, May first. It'll be the real opening, and it's two hundred dollars a day nonprofit. It's gonna be awesome. Hell yeah. And, how, and will there be a website for, or is it just... It'll be off of Tiny Telephone Tiny website because we're too behind. It was going <laughs> to be its own website, and I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then you briefly mentioned Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. Is there anyone else that you are kind of into? Oh, with? Fire Dog Lake. Mm-hmm. I love... I mean, there's so many good people mm-hmm. out there. I mean, I there's... I, I really like Sullivan, Andrew Sullivan, and I like... Uh, I would say that, like, my... My daily reads, there's probably about 15 blogs that I go to, and it's, I have to be really careful if I'm in a hurry to leave the house, because you know what happens. You read one post, and then there's eight or nine things that are linked out, and you're obsessed. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think Glenn, philosophically, I, I really relate to him a lot. Like, I think I really like where he's coming from a lot. Yeah. He's the shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's on point, and I don't know how the fuck he like. How does he write so much? Like he writes every day, so he's much. just like boom, and, and it's like all linked. You're like, who? Yeah. What the hell? Like you're on yeah. fire. And he does tons of interviews. And doesn't he live in like Rio or he, he lives, lives in, in his, Bra- his husband? In, yeah, in, in Brazil. Brazil, right? Like, I mean, so badass. He's, he's like, badass. I love him. John, it's such a pleasure. Thank you Thank so much. You so Thank you so much. Thank you. You are amazing. And thanks, Eric. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. Tied up my sleeping bag A jetty won't last forever Waves they tumble and tumble Stone by stone I ended here all alone and brick Myself from happiness and eucalyptus piled high, shivering by a flaming fire. Too much time, oh, oh. too much time gone by, and I can't find you if I tried. Too much time. my mind I've got no obligations Packed up my pots and pans and Freedom is overrated 
Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the interview with John Vanderslice. Please go to mediaroots.org for more information. And for more information about John, go to johnvanderslice.com and tinytelephone.com to learn more about his studio. Peace.